0: This is 680-CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we've been binging. I got myself caught up on two HBO shows, the Murder Mystery Limited series The Night Of and the Demon Possession show from the creator of The Walking Dead, Outcast. I'll tell you all about those, plus... I'm Jeff Braun. We'll also talk about the eerie Netflix show Stranger Things, plus... We'll tell you what's out on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming week. First, it's the news from the couch.
1: Dear Lord, baby Jesus, I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, and, of course, my red-hot, smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox. Mmm! also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's
2: got my back no matter what. One of the great greatest comedy teams of the last 10 years has been Will Ferrell and John C. Riley.
1: I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinnerd with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk.
0: Hey Cal, why don't you just shut up?
2: Yes, ma'am. Usually there's a dumb guy and a smart guy in a comedy duo, but they're both the dumb guy and it works They've only really teamed up twice before for Talladega Nights the legend of Ricky Bobby.
1: Hey, boy, I'm the magic man now. Yeah, I know So get ready for some tricks up these sleeves. All right, watch your buns pal I'm sorry I took you for granted Cal and you're a really good friend of me and I never gave you your due. It's my fault i tell you the truth. I'm a little confused by your tactics. Tactics? Yeah. I'm going to keep acting tough until I figure it out. All right? So we'll see you on the track. Abracadabra, Holmes.
2: And of course, they played moron stepbrothers in the movie Step Brothers. Well, Pan.
0: No, my name is Pam.
1: Are you saying Pan or Pam? Pam. Pam.
0: With There's
1: an an M. a D on the end. There's no D. It's Pam. It's like calm. Here, it's P. P A N M.
2: Now they have a new trick up their sleeves. Mister Sherlock
1: Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes. Isn't it great to be working with a celebrity?
2: Don't worry, this is just stupid. Yep, Farrell and Riley will play Holmes and Watson in just the latest of a long string of Sherlock Holmes movies and shows over the past several years. Theirs, of course, will be very silly and a lot of fun. They're one of the best comedy teams, like I said, and it makes a lot of sense to team them up for this. For the record, Farrell will be Holmes and Riley will be Watson. No word yet on when it's expected to come out.
1: Oh, hey, I'm Ricky Bobby. And I'm Cal Naughton, Jr., Fire Safety Week is right around the corner. And here are a few important tips you might want to listen to. Wrapping your kids in newspaper at bedtime sounds like a good idea. Keeps them warm. But guess what? That stuff's flammable. Hey, we've all run around with an empty milk jug full of gasoline and lit it in an open field. But make sure there's a parent close by. What's better than a nap? A nap with a cigarette. I know. I do it. If you're going to sleep in bed, make it a hammock. So if it lights on fire, you fall down and wake up. We've all wondered what gasoline tastes like. Don't drink it. In the lands of Middle Earth, legend tells of the Dark Lord Sauron and the ring that would give him the power to enslave the world.
0: Fantastic news for fans of Middle Earth this week. All of Peter Jackson's Middle Earth films are coming together in a huge new box set. It was first spotted on Amazon by the website io9 and is called the Middle-Earth Limited Collector's Edition. It will include all three Lord of the Rings movies, I will take the ring to Mordor. The extended editions of the films, I might add, along with all of the previously released bonus content for those films, adding up to some 33 hours of bonus stuff, the set will also have all three of the more recent films of The Hobbit. Philbo, allow me to introduce <laughs> Fili, Kili, Oin,
1: Dorin, Dorin, balin Dorin, 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 ah! Dori, Dori, Ori. and the leader of our company, Sorin Oakenshield,
0: so This is The Hobbit.
1: Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? I'm going on an adventure!
0: Once again, the extended editions, which are much better than the theatrical versions, by the way. The Hobbit movies have over 34 hours of bonus features. It's a 30 disk set. Each of the movies will be encased in a faux leather book to sit on a nice little Hobbit-style wood shelf. The set will also have a recreation of The Red Book of Westmarch. That's the book that Bilbo and Frodo wrote. And it will include film sketches and other cool artwork from the film's artists Alan Lee and Jan Howe, or John Howe, rather. Here's the kicker, though. The original listing had the set priced at $800. they thieves. The thieves. they filthy little thieves. That just, that just can't be right. And the price was very quickly removed, by the way. I just checked the site recently and the listing is there with the details on the set, but there's no price to be shown. I could see them selling the set for maybe 300 bucks. Its release date is October 4th. A very strange
2: trailer came out this week starring Adam West and Burt Ward as an animated Batman and Robin trussed up like turkeys waiting certain death on a giant TV dinner tray. It's starting to heat up, Batman. But we do smell delicious. The smell of
1: death, Robin, I'm afraid.
0: Yes, this is our last meal, Batman.
1: Then this is one time I would advocate starting with dessert.
2: I suppose it doesn't matter if we ruin our appetites now.
1: No, Robin. Dessert is
2: a new Batman film.
0: Holy spoiler alert! Starring us?
2: Correct, Robin. Yep, they're in a new animated feature. It's called Batman Return of the Cape Crusader. And of course, like I said, it's animated, so they look young on screen as though West is 87 years old and Ward is 71. They're probably not at all interested in getting into those tights again. Anyways, they go on within the trailer to explain what the movie will be. We're back this fall at an all new
1: feature length animated movie, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders. Holy entree, Batman! What foes do we face? Joker,
2: Riddler, Penguin, and Catwoman on Earth and in space. Wow! I haven't watched a ton of the animated Batman movies or series of the last 20 years, but this one has me intrigued. Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders will be available digitally on October 11th and on Blu-ray November 1st. And a good crime fighter always keeps his fans informed. Stay tuned,
1: citizens, to the Batmobile.
0: More news from the couch in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Time now for more news from the couch.
1: There are days that define your story beyond your life. (laughs) Like the day they arrived.
0: The trailer arrived this week for a new alien invasion movie starring Amy Adams. It's called Arrival. Colonel G.T. Webber from Army Intelligence. Back your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the shell. That's what they call him, the UFO. Arrival is based on a novella from 1998 star or called Story of Your Life. A bunch of alien ships arrive on Earth. These big, oblong ships that look kind of like, well, he called them the shell, they look like the shells that you would use in a shell game. Except they're 1,500 feet high. Amy Adams plays an expert linguist named Louise Banks who is recruited to try to make contact with the aliens after several failed attempts so they bring her into the ship. Every 18 hours a door opens up. That's where we go in. What happens now?
1: Doctor are you insane? Now that's a proper introduction.
0: Now she has to learn their language and find a way to communicate with them peacefully before all hell breaks loose.
1: War objects have landed around the world. This is one of twelve. I'm never going to be able to speak their words.
0: Got two days. Figure something out. I am a human. Their language. We need to make sure that they understand
1: the difference between a weapon and a tool. Language is messy
0: and sometimes one can be both. Arrival co stars Forrest Whitaker as a military guy and Jeremy Renner as a physicist, while it's directed by Quebec's Denis Villeneuve. I should add, two trailers arrived this week for this film the domestic trailer and an international trailer, and they are both quite different. Also, don't confuse Arrival with THE Arrival, which was another alien invasion movie from 1996 starring Charlie Sheen. The first signal's definitely sky-based, but this one is Earth-based. Something's going on here, Char.
1: What is it that they're trying to hide? Stop watching the skies. I know why they're here. Start watching Earth back. Steve! Charlie Sheen,
2: Ron Silver, The Arrival.
0: Yeah, the arrival was crap. Arrival actually looks cool. And it opens November 11th. got 21 hours before we start global war. So how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in.
1: Why does this feel worse? In my life, nothing ever happens for the reasons you might think.
2: Oh, I think we all know the reasons which have led to this. Steven Seagal, a trailer for his new movie came out this week, and it's as terrible as you would imagine a Steven Seagal action movie trailer to be in 2016. It's called End of a Gun. He plays a mall security guard and former federal agent who's about to be pulled into some sort of action.
1: Lieutenant said you used to be a cop back in the states. Ronnie had a lot of money stashed away. Could you get it for me?
2: What are you talking about? She literally just told you what she's talking about. Anyways, the trailer is a very out-of-shape Seagal, pretending he's still in shape and still should be an action star. Although, if you look close, he's not really performing a lot of action. He just stands there and shoots, and the fight scenes are cut so fast you can't tell what's happening. We are, though, reminded how hilarious he is, with gems like this delivered in his trademark monotone mumble.
1: They're bad people. Technically, it's not stealing.
2: It's kind of stealing. And this
1: happen. You don't have a plan, do you? Yeah, my
2: plan is to go get the money. Yikes. Anyways, the movie's clearly going to play better for people who want a good laugh at his expense than fans who want a real Seagal action movie. End of a Gun opens in select theaters and plops on iTunes September
1: 23rd. I'm not all about the money. I'm all about the honor. You've got... B- Thank you for noticing that.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, Thank you for noticing that. Oh God! Uh, finally, bad news this week for Criminal Minds fans.
2: You probably couldn't tell me the color of my socks with any greater accuracy than a carnival psychic.
0: Objection. Withdrawn.
1: Charcoal gray.
2: Well, look at that. He got one right. You match them to the color of your suit to appear taller. You also wear lifts, and you've had the soles of your shoes replaced. One might think you're frugal, but in fact you're having financial difficulties. You wear a fake Rolex because you've pawned the real one to pay your debts. My guess is to a bookie.
0: That's Hotch, or Aaron Hotchner, one of the main characters on the long-running CBS crime drama Criminal Minds. Hotch is played by Thomas Gibson, who has been fired. He allegedly kicked a producer during an altercation on set, and it's the latest in an alleged series of angry outbursts, like shoving an assistant director back in 2010. This will be weird because Hotch is expected to appear in two episodes this season, but he will not be back for any more filming. The 13th season of Criminal Minds without Thomas Gibson debuts September 28th on CBS.
2: Your vice is horses. Your Blackberry's been buzzing on the table every 20 minutes, which happens to be the average time between posts from Colonial Downs. You're getting race results. And every time you do, it affects your mood in court, and you're not having a very good day. That's because you pick horses the same way you practice law, by always taking the long shot. If I'm not mistaken, the results from the fifth race should be coming through any minute. Why don't you tell us if your luck has changed?
0: That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video this week. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Marsh,
1: Jack Ely, I want you to find Amelia. But I'm not here to hurt you.
0: Uh, you seen this girl? Whoever happened to offer me twenty bucks? It's the recession. Marsh, you are the world's worst detective. Gary, Jeff, Bron, we are the Couch Potatoes having a look at what's coming to Blu ray DVD and digital HD this week. Jeff Bron, what's that? That's The Nice Guys, already out on digital HD, but it's on Blu ray on Tuesday, directed by
2: Shane Black, starring Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, and Andrew Rice, an action comedy about a couple of private eyes in LA in 1979. I give it four and a half, co- four and a half Couch Cushions out of five. It's a uh, best movie of the year so far for me. Also out a lot of TV stuff. Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 1. Brooklyn Nine-Nine Season 3. Castle Season 8. Last season, I suppose, for that. The first season of Legends of Tomorrow. Elementary Season 4. Season 3 of Endeavor. uh, Season 1 of Lucifer. Narco Season 1. We both like that show. Uh, NCIS Season 13. Orphan Black Season 4. Roots Scandal Season 5. The Strain Season 1. Vikings Season 4. And, of course... The big one, The Walking Dead, the complete sixth season, and uh, another
0: movie out as well, The Huntsman, Winter's War. Uh, It's actually Strange Season 2. What'd I say? Season 1. Come on now. Come
2: on. (laughs) Has there only been the one season so
0: far? There's been two. Uh, Jungle Book is also out on digital HD, and I never watched Narcos, so there you go. Uh, Up next, we're going to tell you about a few shows we've been binging on, including Stranger Things on Netflix. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Brown, we are The Couch Potatoes, and we've been doing some binging of late. One of the shows that we're just starting to get caught up now is a Netflix show, which we've been hearing rumblings about for, I guess, a few weeks now. And I keep seeing. Typically, with Netflix shows, they kind of come and go like a whirlwind. They're they're out. All the ev- episodes are available. People talk about them for a week or two weeks, and then it's on to the next one. Well, this one keeps popping up as described as one of the the pop culture highlights of the summer. So we thought it was high time we have a look at Stranger Things.
1: I know the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here it was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest. Ninety-nine out of a hundred times, kid goes missing, the kid is with a parent
2: or a relative.
1: What about the other time? What? You said ninety-nine out of a hundred. What about the other time? The one.
2: Stranger Things is created by the Duffer Brothers. According to the credits, never heard of them before. It does star a couple of people uh, you have heard of, most notably Winona Ryder. She plays the mom in the clip there whose 12-year-old son has gone missing. The cop is played by David Harbour, and if you don't recognize his name, you will definitely recognize his face. I most recently watched him as Elliot, the second-string news anchor on the newsroom. Brett, you saw him in Banshee, I believe. We've all seen him in bit parts from everything from James Bond movies to Brokeback Mountain to War of the Worlds to a bunch of different cop shows. He's really good at playing like the concerned businessman who turns out to be the killer. But here he's the cop in a small Indiana town called Hawkins. The show is set in the 80s. It opens with a scientist at the Department of Energy Lab, which is just outside the town of Hawkins. And this scientist is being chased and then killed by something. We don't see what it is, but it's clearly a monster of some sort. After that cold open, the focus of the show lands squarely on the group of 12-year-old boys. Their best buds, the four of them, and they're clearly the nerds of the town. They're really into Dungeons and Dragons. They have Lord of the Rings nicknames for different parts of town, that sort of thing. And one night after a grueling 10 hour DD battle, a couple of them are biking home. They split off, and as young Will rides alone, something happens. Something's after him. He does get home, but the thing, obviously, we're supposed to think it's the monster from the beginning, keeps finding him, and he finally disappears in a flash of light in the backyard shed. We don't see him actually disappear as the camera cuts away, but I guess we're to believe the monster took him. And this sets off the main action of the first couple of episodes, The Search for Young Will. Winona Ryder's his mom. She's mostly hysterical all through those two episodes. And I don't know, that's got to stop. There's nothing entertaining about watching her freak out. It's just too real. I mean, I get it, but it's just so hard to watch. I'll be fast-forwarding through her scenes if that keeps up. Will's buddies also meet up with a mysterious girl who we soon realize escaped from the same energy department lab that the monster came from. So are they the same thing? I don't know but I don't think so because if they are the show isn't really playing fair with her whereabouts when the monster strikes but it's all connected and that brings us to the other main character the government guy played by Matthew Modine he may be the only one in town who knows what's really going on he and his team investigated the aftermath of the monster's initial attack on that scientist in zine one and they're also on the hunt for the little girl who escapes so. and then there's the teens in town they have their own storyline as well mostly about teens being teens but they're about to be swept up into the main story Given what we saw at the end of episode two, and uh, you know that's as far as we've seen. Brett, what did you think about it?
0: Uh, well, yeah, we only—I only was able to get through two episodes as well. Jess starting it, or started it this week. I enjoyed it. And I like how it—it's it, very much a, a throwback, and I think that's why it's generated so much attention. It's very much a throwback to movies like E.T. or The Goonies, about this—you know—it's about a group yeah. of adventurous or super, kids,
2: Super Eight, more recently, which itself was a throwback to E.T. and The Goonies. Yeah,
0: there you go. And I like I, what, the main thing I like is that it's actual kids playing kids. You know, it's not like 20 year olds playing teenagers or whatever, like these kids are actual kids and they are hilarious. These kids are all great. The, so I'm definitely intrigued by the premise. I like the eighties music in the theme song and the, the, the actual intro titles Although the font they use, I believe, is reminiscent of... Like, Needful st- Things? Yeah, the Stephen King font. Right. But it, 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 the way that it's put together is super... It's almost a, a, a direct carbon of the, the intro title for the Terminator movie, if you've ever seen that. I guess you haven't, Jeff, right? Nope. Because you'd be too scared of that. Probably. Um, but, so I like the premise, I like the, the nostalgia, I like the fact that it very much feels like this 80s sort of throwback adventure, but... And this is, I will say that I know it's not fair to comment on a series having not seen all of it, mm-hmm. but I feel, I th- i think that they could cut out a whole bunch of stuff so far. Like if I were to take those two episodes, I would, I could easily hack out an hour really? worth of just frivolous, unnecessary stuff. Well, there's a subplot, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a subplot with one of the kids older, his older sister and she's got a crush on this boy and whatever, and that's fine. I mean, it's good, it's good teenage storytelling about, you know, teenagers or whatever, but it so far hasn't really served the story at all, and uh, if you were to just cut her right out of the show, it wouldn't hurt the show at yeah. all. But we, yeah, like I said, we're two episodes in, I need to wait and see what happens. I'm enjoying it, I'm not loving it so far because it's dragging on a little too long, but I got to see how the other six episodes play out.
2: That's right. I also like the fact that everyone's at the mercy of the 80s technology, like like regular landlines for a phone. I know, I think a lot of shows and movies are doing that retro thing now on purpose, just because cell phones and the internet would too easily solve too many problems the characters might have, and sort of suck the life out of your story. Uh, And speaking of phones, there's this scene where Winona Ryder has to buy a new phone, which was ridiculous. Her kid's missing, then her phone explodes, she goes to the hardware store where she works. She works for the guy who owns the hardware store, And he makes her take an advance on her salary to buy a $20 phone that she desperately needs to hear from, you know, the cops in case they find her kid. That that blew my mind. That was ridiculous. Just give her the phone. Wow. Your kid's missing. Have a phone so you can be, you know, connected to the world. (laughs) That's true. That's insane. I I couldn't believe it. Uh, that that just blew my mind. I I still can't get over it. Uh, But I like, you know, it's more fun watching kids talking on walkie-talkies than texting each other.
0: Well, yeah, especially that sort of, I think we... Because we we grew grew up and it's our nostalgic thing. Yeah, that's, I had walkie-talkies, not as cool, theirs are like, Big, powerful walkie-talkie looking yeah. things. I Cross, had
2: ones that work across town, which is really never the case. Eh?
0: Yeah, I had ones that worked <laughs> maybe to the, the next house yeah. over. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a cool adventure. I'm super intrigued. Like I want to know what is what this monster is. I want to know more about this girl who escaped. And I just I've, I'm enjoying watching these kids being Gooniesque, ET esque kind of kids. It's just it's a real sort of adventure. I just hope that it it picks up a little bit. Like I said, it's just too much filler. They need to pick up the pace a little bit. It is only eight episodes as well, but so far what I'm seeing that maybe Stranger Things would have been better served as a movie. Up next, I want to tell you about a couple of shows that I plowed through this week. The Night of... And Outcast. we'll get to that in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. We just finished telling you about a show that we both just started watching called Stranger Things on Netflix. I want to tell you now about a show on HBO. I saw the promos for this a few months back, I guess when I was watching Game of Thrones, and I thought it looked good, but I ultimately didn't watch it when it started six weeks ago. But my dad has been urging me to watch it, so I thought I would give it a shot. It's called The Night of...
1: What's your name, son? Nas. Where did she say she wanted to go? The beach. The what? The beach?
0: What happened, Nas? The Night Of is a limited series. It's an eight-part murder mystery. It's about a college kid named Nazir, or Naz for short. He's accused of killing a young woman, even though he says he didn't do it. And at first, we believe him completely. But as time goes on through the series, we start to wonder, did he do it? So I just binged my way through it over two nights this week. Six episodes have aired so far. The seventh episode is this weekend. It airs on Sunday nights on HBO. And then the finale is next week. Uh, It stars an actor named Riz Ahmed as Nas. John Turturro plays his lawyer. He's this sort of precinct crawling. Uh, He comes off almost like a lowlife. He just wanders the various police precincts handing out his card to low-level thugs who get busted for these silly little crimes or whatever but he manages to latch on to this case and it also stars uh, michael kenneth williams whom you would recall from the wire i believe his name was omar it
2: was omar omar coming
0: so he plays the kingpin in the jail that Nas ends up in so uh, this it's been an interesting journey so far i this is quite a compelling drama because it's not your typical show Um, I mean, the first episode is sort of the introduction, and it does such a great job of portraying an exciting night for this guy who lives a boring life. He's kind of a nerd. He's just way out of his element. And I found myself seduced by the the subtle storytelling, uh, and very much like Nas was seduced by his night. And it's also interesting in that it spends a lot of time focusing on police procedure. I mean, it, it is based on a, a BBC show called Criminal Justice. And most shows most North American shows about police, they tend to glamorize police procedure, right? I mean, you know, there are no montages set to electronic music of forensic science in detail like CSI here. I mean, everything here about the police is rather plain. You know, sometimes it's confusing. There's miscommunication between the officers. There's red tape. You hear officers whining about overtime. It's just, it's all kind of bland, but it's it's purposely bland and, and therefore completely fascinating. And then there's, I, and I guess maybe that the point of that is we're sort of looking in from Nas's perspective and from his parents' perspective as well, to an extent to that where there's one scene where they, they don't know where to go. They go to the wrong precinct. So very much like their son, they're just completely mystified by this whole thing too. It really does take us through the minutia of the criminal justice system. Um, so I guess we feel just as out of place as Nas and his family there's one scene for example where the detective on the case he's told to map out the timeline figure out the timeline of where this kid went and where and you just so we see him watching security videos we see him sifting through cell phone records to find out you know where this kid's phone was pinging i guess off of whatever random tower we see him with a, a pen circling things on a map and it's so routine but it's so fascinating i just found myself glued to the tv set while this guy was doing this just the way they put it together is great but then we have this weird character played by john turturro the lawyer john stone his name and he's quirky and he's got like this weird eczema subplot like he's got eczema on his feet and they spend so much time on his eczema and it's I don't want to say it's gross, but the you know they they it's kind of gross. I <laughs> uh, so I guess I did just say it. But they spend so much time on it and I'm completely baffled by it. I don't understand why. But it's just a, it's been a really neat journey. The first episode was the intro. The second one was more about the police and the red tape. The third, we get a look into the prison. The fourth, it starts to become a courtroom drama. I think it started to level off a little bit where it's a mixed bag of everything as the mystery unfolds. And throughout all of this, we're seeing Nas go from this meek little college kid and he's starting to become this hardened prisoner behind bars and uh, there's a there's a telling line in here one of the lawyers says let this kid out on bail or watch him become a criminal in jail that's exactly what happens and it serves the mystery did he kill this girl we don't really know he doesn't even really know and if you watch the show you'll understand why it's great other than the, the John Turturro eczema stuff, I am just in love with this series, and I really can't recommend it highly enough. And again, it's a limited series. It's only eight episodes, so once it's done, it's done. You're not making a huge commitment or anything like that. Up next, I just want to quickly tell you about another HBO show called Outcast, which wrapped up this week. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Breddies Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. I want to tell you now about a show on HBO called Outcast.
1: Do you know me? Do you know me? Outcast.
0: Something's going on in this town.
1: People are afraid. These things are everywhere. They're all around us. I can't run away from this. It's time I fought back. It's too late to fight.
0: You ain't seen a fight yet. So I started watching this show, Outcast. It debuted ten weeks ago, and I started watching it right when it started, but then I kind of fell behind. I ended up having to plow through seven episodes this past week. It's from Robert Kirkman. It's a comic book of his. He's the guy behind The Walking Dead. He created The Walking Dead comic. And it's about demon possession in the town of Rome, West Virginia. And for whatever reason, there's this guy named Kyle Barnes who has this ability to fight back against these demons. And he's called, he's known by them as the Outcast. I loved the first episode. It was dark and scary. But as the series went on, it couldn't quite make up what it wanted to be. And ultimately, I found myself sort of unsatisfied by the lack of answers we didn't learn what exactly is special about this guy why he has the ability to fight back we don't know what their plan is they seem to be planning something i was just kind of left like ah that's it that's all the time we have i'm Brady's jeff we are the couch potatoes remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother
2: This is 680
1: CJOB.